So at this point, Laura and John, they're like trying to, they realize like something's up. They have to find out what's up with these people. They realize, oh, they, if they have the paintings, then we can discover them and we can, you know, um, we can, do, we can, un- we can bol- blow up in the whole thing. John will stop being suspected for murder and they'll be fine. So they like base themselves out of this flat, but they have to use payphones and so on and bars. And so Laura keeps going. Well, that going, really dates it more than anything else. So Laura still being goes, goes to like make some calls and then is kind of like, again, at a bar with like, you know, New York characters written by Ian Duncan Smith is like kind of felt up by a random man who she kicks in the nuts. And then returns mm-hmm. home. No nonsense. <laughs> and falls under the category of nonsense. Uh, and returns home super exhilarated from the experience that she kisses John. I was hoping that they w- that Ian Duncan Smith would write a sex scene, but he didn't. Um, she oh also God, made were, some. She made some friends with some girls at the bar uh, who liked that she kicked the guy in the nuts. Among them is a woman named Ariadne, who was named after some fancy Greek play or something. <laughs> oh, incredible. Yeah. All of these women are, are sex workers, and they're all portrayed as, like, hardscrabble, tough girls, more or less. Um, so, they figure out by looking by, at some pictures that, one, Cosmo was Laura's father. Two, that what they did was loot a bunch of priceless artifacts that were themselves looted by Nazis and kept them. And three, that Lakata was the painter who actually was Cosmo in disguise. The real Lakata was killed in the warehouse fire. It was all planned oh. by a guy called Major Oakley, uh, who was John's dad. Major the inventor of the sunglasses. And now they're like, okay, we have to break into Aquilian's house in, uh, in the Hamptons, find the paintings, expose kelp, and then like, everything will be solved. Here's another good writing alert. Since childhood, Victor Aquilian had always believed that you shouldn't just watch a storm. You had to feel it. The dark, raw power that lashed its way across the earth was breathtaking and exhilarating. This one carried in its heart a sense of foreboding. He felt as though the gathering storm and the glowing darkness were a manifestation of his problems. A fantastic line. You just know how great. With, how with pathetic Superb. fallacy, you can make the gathering storm Superb. and the growing darkness a manifestation of a character's problems? Yeah. What it's if like looking character... at this like, hmm. I don't think there's anything pathetic about this. What if it's a cool fallacy? Yeah. Yeah. Like, what if the character also knew that and was like, hmm, this storm is a lot like my problems. Anyway, <laughs> off I go, trying to find these damn paintings and diaries. Um, so, basically... Laura has managed to get access to Aquilian's house by calling his wife and be like, yeah, I'm a freelance journalist writing for a magazine called Interior Art. Uh, I'm not famous. Please don't look me up. Um, And Aquilian's wife, who's, by the way, husband is involved in a major criminal conspiracy with a candidate for president, the evidence for which is stored in their house, said, sure, come on over. I happen to be starting a business as as an interior decorator and would like publicity. You can. Uh, my name's Antigone Iphigenia, but you can call me Iffy. <laughs> so Ari- Ariadne, the, the sex worker from earlier, comes into the room because she's going to help somehow because Laura made friends with her at the bar. Like, it, it's this is what I mean. Like, it just gets he just adds characters and makes it bigger anytime he needs to solve any problem. Um, it, it's fucking incredible. It's like a Robert Altman movie. It's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, she then says, oh, by the way, I was, fo- I was followed to your apartments uh, by some very like, serious men getting out of a car. So she's like, we got to escape no by the roof. Men. <laughs> uh, and then she says, hey, don't worry. I know all these blocks. When you work on your back, you always got to know which way is up. Oh, oh incredible. That's, that's foul. <laughs> Terrible. Um, oh, God. So I work on my back. Yeah, I'm into Bob Skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> so, outside the roof, which was windswept and cold, the gap was 12 feet wide and needed to get over. 
Ari laughed and then stuck two fingers in her mouth, giving out a piercing whistle. There was a moment's pause between, like, you know, two men before two women emerged from behind some laundry. They lowered a large. <laughs> <laughs> where, where do women well, usually yeah. find themselves? <laughs> they're like behind laundry. They're, hi- they're hiding behind, like, you know, a washing line. Again, like, you don't really have that in New York at this point. Mm. Um, they lowered a large scaffolding plank as a bridge. Uh, you're lucky I got these girls to get this up here with me. And uh, again, like, what, she was just followed into the. So did she say, hey, I'm being followed. Go into the building opposite with a large plank of wood. You're going to have to lower it over on a, probably the eighth floor. At least 12 feet. <laughs> no, At <laughs> least 12. Um, what is what where, year is this set in? It, well, like, it's, it's be the, the 90s, 50s right? and the 30s and the 90s all at once. I'm so... I, I don't know. This is terrible. They continue to be pursued until John basically, like, Luke Skywalker fires a brick down a nearby air vent from a great distance, creating a distraction in the other building. Uh, what? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> so here's another place it's, where Ian Duncan uh, this Smith... This book is like a fucking cryptic crossword clue. <laughs> like, it... I Jesus Christ. So here's where Ian Duncan Smith really shines as a writer. Shit, the fatter of the two women leaned across John. You can drop us here now. I ain't staying with these two. No way. Hell, we nearly got iced. I mean, you never said nothing about that, Ari. Man, this is heavy shit. Oh, uh-huh. okay. And and now what, and what ethnicity is she? Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's not clear, but it, it, it does say she is the fatter of the two women. So cool. I'm pretty well, it's important that we know that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so In case you were wondering, which one of the two women is fatter? So if you wanted to know... What Ian Duncan Smith thinks that uh, sex workers in New York talk and are like, this is it. This is what he, this is. This is how he's like, this is part that's good. This is going to be what goes in my serious thriller about art thief. But of course, they've got hearts of gold. At least if Ian Duncan Smith was ever caught up in a sex scandal with a sex worker, this book could be submitted as evidence that he had simply never met one. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Ariadne has hired a safe cracker for them. He's like, by the way, I just happened to know a safe cracker. Um, How? Okay, it's 1930 again. Who the fuck <laughs> is a safe cracker? Like, when it, that's not a profession that exists. This is kind of where I feel like where Ian Duncan Smith, this whole sort of everything from like where Ariadne comes over and they escape by roof over a plank, it's where I feel like he really lost control of the narrative. Because like, I remember at the beginning, it's all like cluttered memories and, and your wife dying and. You know, a sad, quiet man who's been in over his head or whatever. And it just very quickly spirals out of control. And now it's kind of like a slapstick caper. Well, it kind of feels like he's just remembered that this is supposed to be a thriller, right? Because you spend mm. like so much of the time kind of like doing fantasy about like the sort of ma- like the majesty of American politics. And then there's a bunch of filler, which like, I'm going to be honest with you. I lost track of this don't, like don't, a long time ago. So did um, I. I've been trying to like, vibe, like in my notes like in this little notebook that I keep trying to keep track of the plot and at, like I think about 20 minutes ago I was just like yeah I'm not doing this anymore Um, so now I suddenly remember because it's like yeah so I imagine that the plank and like going between the buildings and the whole like brick thing he's realized just now that yeah this has got this has to like it's got this has got to like a brick's got to go to be some Jason, Jason Statham shit in here like <laughs> at some point <laughs> so basically they get to um Aquilian's house the guy that works for Kelp um, and John searches we'll through it, for ca- pretending to be a <laughs> photographer. Uh, how strange, he thought, as he came to a bookcase, as he moved from one book to the other. All those books in a bare workroom. When he attempted to pull one of the books near the corner of the room, he found it was stuck. Of course, he exclaimed, he pushed and pulled at the books in front of him, and just as he was about to give up in frustration, he pushed at a copy of Longfellow's Collected Poems and moved it, followed by a click. 
He was then staring at a keypad with an electronic oh, display. Oh, come on. A, seat, a bookcase yes. with a... F- oh, yeah. For fuck's sake. Is there an element that he will not include in this book? So the sa- then he uh, goes back... Is, Hussein has diagnosed exactly what's happened here. He's, he's, I imagine we're, what, about 50 pages from the end? Yeah. And he has panicked and he's just started putting thriller stuff in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... But then he's not, that's not enough because he, he has the safe cracker, so the safe cracker needs to be used. So the safe cracker goes and tries to crack the keypad, sets off the alarm. What's, what's the safe cracker's deal? Is he Irish? Do we have like another ethnic stereotype yeah, yeah, just yeah, creeping yeah. in here? I didn't write down his name, I'm sorry. Uh, but then <laughs> Mrs. Mrs. Aquilian, with all the strangers in the house and her husband being involved in a, in a presidential level art theft conspiracy, only relaxed, reacts to the alarm to the secret art room going off with, hey, someone shut that thing off, it's annoying. Um, <laughs> So John goes in. Is there a gas leak in this house? <laughs> John goes I fucking in. hate that secret alarm. It's always going off when there are strange men in my house. John goes in, <laughs> takes pictures of the paintings. Uh, that John's uncle, who was kidnapped, <laughs> what? His uncle? <laughs> well, I drew the line when they kidnapped my uncle. You leave my <laughs> uncle out of this. Sort of a very surprising number of uncles in this thriller. <laughs> yeah. uh, Man with uncles. Um. So, he was kidnapped when he came to New York to look for John and had a video, a video of his kidnapping sent to Laura's office, which produces the memorable phrase. Look, uh, who, and then Laura goes to investigate. Look, lady, said the man. Grand was meant to be here, not you. So you can play the hero, but if you don't get into this car right now, you can say goodbye to his uncle. <laughs> <laughs> I've got him on the phone here. <laughs> say goodbye to his uncle. <laughs> Say goodbye, say goodbye to his uncle. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> say bye bye. Laura is bye then... bye, uncle. <laughs> Laura is then. It's, un- it's unfair to your henchman to kidnap someone with that level of like relation because it's insulting to make them say things like, "Folks, that. they don't you want know. me to show you the uncle. Do you want to see the uncle? Bring it out. They, they, no, they won't let me. They won't let me bring out the uncle. We've got him though. We have got him." <laughs> 